In Genesis chapter 4, you see the sacrifices of Cain and Abel. And it says that Abel brought some of the firstborn of his flock to the Lord. There's some portions of that. So second generation human, and already he's picking out specific um, animals because he wants to honor God, and he, he chooses the firstborn. Why do you think that would have been important? Any thoughts offhand? I'm calling for feedback. <laughs> no guarantee of the second one, right? So when you get that first, you have new wealth, new generation, new potential, and he's taking that and giving it to God. So it's, that's very precious, isn't it? Any other associations? Thank you, Gracie. <laughs> well, let's, let's live with that for now. The idea that this is special to him because he has taken something that he's not promised the next. He's not promised any future off of that. In fact, he is taking the future and giving it to God. He is taking the interest or the benefit of what has been his, and he is giving that to God. So a lot of association, so to speak, with wealth and future might be tied to this concept. Remember Jacob and Esau, they got into it, and, and uh, Jacob says, sell me your birthright. Um, it, it already was established by then that the birthright, the, the first person or the first son born would get twice as much as any of the other kids when it came time for inheritance. And it was kind of that mark in the family that this was the, the special right of that first one. And in some ways, also, it was associated as a sign of strength or a sign of posterity. Um, you know, the fact that your race is going to go on, your family line is going to go on because now you have a son. So all, all that association. So when Israel is in Egypt and God goes to speak to Pharaoh, listen to what he says. This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. So if, if we're, you know, saying this in that culture was a special place and a precious position, favored. So he goes and says, Israel, that people right there, they're mine. They're my firstborn. You're messing with my favorite. You're messing with my future. You're trying to take the blessing of my life away. He says, let my son go that he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go, so I'll kill your firstborn. You know, you, you wouldn't let me have my firstborn. You wouldn't let them go worship me and continue in our... So I'm taking yours. And... <laughs> What happens quite a, is quite amazing because it says from Pharaoh's household all the way down to the servant's household, 
every firstborn in that uh, country is wiped out in one night. Midnight, the angel comes through and slays him. And Israel is spared, and, and we have the Passover out of that. We have the deliverance of Israel out of that. So, But that association is God saying, you're not getting away with mistreating my firstborn. That's, that's the identification he places with it. He goes on then, and what they enter into, even in as a part of their religious worship, is this memory of the firstborn and how they were delivered as a result of that. And so in their worship from then on, they are told every time a firstborn is born, you need to give it to the Lord or redeem it. In other words, that would be you need to pay a fee to buy it back. In other words, you would bring a sacrifice in the place of this, but you acknowledge that all of your firstborn are mine. So in some ways, God was training them of saying, you treat me as precious. You take what is most precious to you and what is your future and what is your hope, and you let me have that first. And as you do that, then the blessing for the rest is going to come. But he's saying, you honor me first. So when we hear that command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know, it, we recognize that he, he gets first place. He gets the honor even above what we would take for ourselves. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. And it says, what does this mean? 13 verse 14. With a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, when Pharaoh refused. He says, this is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. So he's making this declaration. And he says, this is a part of your religious practice or worship for the Israelites. He's telling them, you bring this sacrifice all the time. You're hearkening back to when I pulled you out and I called you my firstborn. I said you were special. And so in some ways, even as they continue to give unto the Lord and, and saying, you're precious to us, but it's also a, an affirmation saying, we're precious to God. In Exodus 34, he says, no one is exempt from this practice. So this was one of those things where even the poor people had to make sacrifice. Let's go to Numbers. He takes that concept even a step further then, and he goes on to say that the Levites, out of the 12 tribes, he says, they're going to be my firstborn out of this group. I'm claiming them for my own. Remember what he did with the Levites? He said, you're a kingdom of priests. You're going to lead the people in worship. You're not going to have any land. You're going to be interspersed among the tribes going to give you different cities and places to grow your crops, but you're not going to have a territory because you're my people. And so they would, they would live from the, the gain that the others had, but they, they were in this place of just saying, we are dedicated unto the Lord. And so God was establishing, in a sense, 
a religious form for them to help understand the relationship that they had with him. Take the Levites for me in place of the firstborn of the Israelites. And so what Moses has to do, he has to count all the Israelites, all the firstborn, and then count all the Levites and make sure there's enough. And if there are extra people, they pay a fee attached to that so that it all works out. But it's kind of amazing to me that he's putting all of this in place so that they can understand their relationship unto the Lord. And then it comes to our culture, and we don't know who your firstborn is. So. But in that day, it had great meaning. Um, let's go on. In Deuteronomy, he makes a declaration among the laws. He says there, there's no variation of this principle, even of double portion. He says if a man marries two wives and he loves the second one more than the first one, he cannot give the rights of the firstborn to the second wife or to the second born son. He said, it's this is part of your law. The firstborn gets that benefit. So you can see in their laws and in their system, they're getting all of this and saying, this firstborn is a special place, right? It's precious. So that when we make this bridge, which we're going to do in a, in a couple scriptures, we make the bridge to the New Testament, and Jesus is called the firstborn among all creation, or he's called the firstborn from, uh, among the dead. It has a significance that's bound in this picture. But it's almost like it's been set up for a couple thousand years so that they can understand how precious the Lord Jesus Christ is. In Psalms 89, verse 27, it speaks of David, but it also has this hint of the future. It says, I will appoint him my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. Now, did that happen in David's day? No, it really wasn't fulfilled, was it? Was David the firstborn son? No. But Jesus, who's going to be this firstborn out of David's line, is going to fulfill what was being declared in Psalm 89. Here's a couple more Old Testament before I hit the new. In Micah chapter 6, there's this question that comes up. It says, how much do I need to do to be at peace with God? You know, if I, if I give him a thousand rams, is that enough? Or if I bring him a thousand rivers of oil, would that, would that make him happy? Or if I give him my firstborn, is that, you know, is that going to pay the price? In other words, all of those that associated is with pre what's precious and wealth, right? And then he goes on to say, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So he asks a question about, you know, how, how do we enter in peace with God? And then he gives this answer. Zechariah has an interesting one. Interesting to me, anyway. <laughs> it says, They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn as one mourns for an only child, and grieve bitterly as one grieves for a firstborn son. You have this, what's most precious to you. If it's lost, it's a terrible thing. He says, The one they have pierced, they're going to mourn in that way over such a one. Hmm, I wonder what he could be pointing to. It's in there, isn't it? 
Okay, when Jesus is born, he's Mary's firstborn son, and that's noted. But what I'd like to do is the rest of these verses note what the New Testament writers did as far as this concept. For God, those, for those God foreknew, in Romans 8.29, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So he says, he placed God with humanity, had him walk a path where he is the first one through into this life past death, so that he might be the first one. In other words, there's a glory and a specialness about him, that honor that's given to him because he's walked this path first. But that includes you and I, doesn't it? Because we're part of the rest of the family. So he's the one that has this preeminence in the family, but we're also brothers and sisters connected with this. Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. When he's called the Son of God, this attachment, even this idea of firstborn, is firstborn over all creation. He has that special place. Hebrews chapter 12, to the church of the firstborn, in other words, to those who are part of the family of Jesus, to those who have been followers of him, they're they're taking on this identification. If Jesus is the firstborn, at least that means that we are part of the family connected to him. If he has walked through death, then we will also walk through death. If we have this hope of him being glorified, we will also be with them as a part of that glory. And so they're attaching themselves to the family. Remember, God calls Israel out and says, you're my firstborn. It isn't just about birth, but he says, I am placing that role or giving you that identification. He calls out the Levites and says, you know, you're, you're not the firstborn. You're not the firstborn in the family, but you're the what I am associating with as firstborn. I'm declaring, you have the rights of that firstborn. I, I, I am treating you as this. So when we come to Jesus, what's he saying? He is the firstborn. We are participant with that. So if, it's, if his life is precious and it has been set aside as special, just by association, there's a glory that our lives are, are connected with that. In Revelation, it says, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So just like the Levites were, were taken out and traded, he says, he has made us into a kingdom of priests through the work of Jesus Christ, this firstborn. So even though it may not have all that much significance in our day, because we can look through Scripture and we can associate with what this principle has been, there is a preciousness to it that that speaks to us. It says, Jesus Christ elevated above all others. Jesus Christ, the one who has walked through death, leads us. He's the first one 
to come into this new family, but we get to participate in the family as well. It's a privilege and an honor. Lord, I thank you for this scripture. I thank you that even in cultural things where they may not have as much significance in our day, there's still an awareness because of the scripture that these terms are special and your life is precious to us. We give you glory and honor tonight. Thank you for it.